Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. Hacks is back for season three, and so is the official Hacks podcast. In each episode, Hacks creators Lucia Agnello, Paul W. Downs, and Jen Statsky speak with cast and crew members to unpack the Emmy-winning comedy series. You'll hear Hannah Einbinder and Gene Smart speak to their on-screen dynamic, along with stories from the show's writer's room, on-set antics, and creating the world that Deborah and Ava inhabit. Watch Hacks, streaming exclusively on Max, and listen to the official Hacks podcast on Max or wherever you get your podcasts. Look out, it's only films to be buried with. Hello and welcome to Films to be Buried with. My name is Brett Goldstein. I'm a comedian, an actor, a writer, a director, an air vent, and I love films. As Lisa Althor once said, I happen to feel that the degree of a person's intelligence is directly reflected by the number of conflicting attitudes she can bring to bear on the same topic. For example, if she can see that Happy Gilmore is both funny and Oscar-worthy, she's all right with me. Wise words from Althor. Every week I invite a special guest over, I tell them they've died, then I get them to discuss their life through the films that meant the most to them. Previous guests include Kevin Smith, Ed Gamble, January Jones, Ricky Gervais, Jamila Jamil, who else? Everyone, have a bloody look. But this week my special guest is character comedian, stand-up and all-round funny man, Mr Fergus Craig. Announcing staff, the BFI show with Nish Kumar on December 19th is very nearly sold out. So get the last few tickets now at the BFI website. Get on the Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Brett Goldstein to help support the show. For just £2 a month, you can get extra guest questions, you can get guest list tickets, videos, all sorts of stuff. Come and get the whole thing ad-free over at patreon.com forward slash Brett Goldstein. Also, if you're looking for a Christmas gift... Why not give the gift of a troubling boner hoodie for grandma? You can get it over at podcastmerch.co.uk forward slash films to be buried with, along with other great shit. So, Mr. Fergus Craig. If you don't know him, he's a very funny stand-up and a very funny actor. He's been making some videos at the moment on YouTube where he's a middle-class dad talking to his son. Some funny shit. Fucking check it out. Uh, we work together on Hoff the Record, which we discuss on here, and I think he's amazing. We recorded this one ages ago, and truthfully, I thought I'd lost it, so I'm really pleased that I found it, because it's a cracker. So that is it for now. I very much hope you enjoy episode 74 of Films to be Buried with. Hello, and welcome to Films to be Buried with. My name is Brett Goldstein, and I am joined today by actor, writer, advert person, sketch mm. comedian... Too many adverts at the moment. ...improviser, stand-up comedian, winner of the Hackney Empire New Act of the Year, and... Ten years ago. Father... Didn't follow through on that promise. ...and husband. Please welcome to the show. Also son. And also a son. A brother? Yep. Why not? Please welcome to Nephew. He's also been someone's nephew and continues to be so. He won't quit. Please welcome to the show. It's Fergus Craig. I bet. 
Thanks Hi. for having me. Hey, thanks for coming over. I do appreciate it. I know you've got a lot on. I was at the cinema last night and I hate adverts at the cinema. I absolutely hate that they even exist. I think it costs so much money to go to the cinema. Why the fuck do I have to sit through people trying to sell me shit? So That's I always reasonable. try yeah. to get there sort of 10 minutes in. I don't mind seeing trailers, but I don't want to see fucking adverts. Mm. So I'd get there. I miss the adverts. So I just get trailers. Fine. I'm happy. Then after the trailers, they throw in an ad. But who is it? Only movie star Fergus Craig on the ad. All right. I'll watch an ad if you're in it. So- you appear on the big screen. Glasses on. Fake drawn on glasses that a kid's done. You do mm. some tremendous acting in it. There's a bit where you're in the mirror and you have to look surprised by something. So good. And I also thought, I know how awful those things can be. They must have made you do that a lot. And for you to pull off a surprised look, God, it's good acting. Would you like a little insight into yes. how that happened? Yes. Uh, the director slapped me on the back of the leg. Are serious? Yeah. It's a Nat West advert. Would you not want that mentioned? Well, I'm not trying to help out Nat West, but go on. Well, just maybe so people knew what we we're talking about. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, uh, yeah, they do make you do everything, like, so many times. Three days filming. For Three 30, days? Yeah, for a 30-second advert, where each shot is, like, a second long. Yeah. You do it, like, 80 times or something. What? Like you're making The Shining. Mm. Wow. No, just do it a little bit more. No, a bit less. No, that was ridiculous. Okay, a little funnier. Okay, now oh, it's not funnier. total comedy. Now, pull it back. And this is just literally turning your head to look at something. Oh, my days. Yeah. It's a gr- Also, I don't fully understand the advert, if I may. If you've, you've named it now, so can I ask? I've got some questions. Yeah. You're a dad and a husband in the advert. You wake up, the kid has drawn in... in- in in ungettoffable marker on your eyes. That's the idea. They've drawn glasses and a moustache. Yeah. And then you need to go. You've got a meeting at the bank, but you can't go. Just you careful what you, how, where you go with this, because this is my proudest work. And we may have to cut. We'll cut this if it's inappropriate. But I'm genuinely asking as a as a piece of filmmaking. Yeah. I love directing. I've got no complaints with that. Yeah. What I'm asking is, you can't get it off your face, so you think you look stupid. So you don't want to go to the bank yes. in public because you look stupid. So the answer the advert offers is, well, why don't you go to the mobile bank? But you still got to go out and meet people. And then it says, or get someone to come and meet you. And then you're in a coffee shop. And someone goes, I mean, in every solution they offer you, you're still outside meeting people. I what think, has it saved you? I think the idea is... Go on. I'm looking in the mirror. Yeah. And see, this is... You started by complimenting my acting, but I think I haven't... Portrayed it well enough for you to understand, to understand yeah. the concept of the act. Yeah, I'm looking in the mirror and then I imagine my day ahead. Oh, it's a dream sequence. Yes, it is a dream sequence. Oh. Is, so I imagine my day ahead and I think of all the ways I could see someone from that West. Yeah. And in each instance, <laughs> yeah. In each instance, I realize, well, I can't do that. Yeah. Because I've got these fucking glasses from my fucking child yeah they'll think i'm an idiot who can't look after their own money yeah and then with that one take that you thought was good yeah where i get slapped on the where leg. i get slapped on the leg and surprise myself out of it i realize oh hang on no i can just use the app oh yes it's the app yeah 
So the mobile banking and the person coming to visit you doesn't affect anyone, really. It's just having somewhere else to go to your bank. Because the mobile bank's not coming to your door, is it? It's just moving up and down. I guess what it is, is just a vehicle for NatWest to show all the different ways you can use their services. So it's a dream scene, the whole ad. The whole ad's quite an expressionistic piece. Yeah. So at the end, when you come down... nominated for a lot of awards. Because I thought when you come down for breakfast at the end, it's like two days later and you still can't get it off, but it's actually the same morning. It's the same morning. Christ. Did Lynch direct it? No. When you say you got hit on the leg and there were 80 takes, how many times did you get hit on the leg? I don't know, 10 maybe? But I didn't know when he was going to hit me on the leg, so then that's a surprise. Okay. Now, Fergus and I uh, have worked together in what both of us consider one of our favourite jobs. Is that not true? Yeah, we were just talking about it. Yeah, off the record with David Hasselhoff where uh, Fergus played his manager. Yes. And I played his personal trainer. And we were often at war with each other, weren't we? And it's a semi-improvised show. And boy, is it funny. It's, it's a show that I always describe as the sort of show that you think is going to be shit, but it's actually quite good. I wish that we could have put that, that in the poster. So no one watched it, but it did win an international Emmy. It won the Best Comedy Award. And no one noticed. And then the next year, Alan Partridge won the international Emmy, and everyone went mental about it. Yeah. I'm so bitter. <laughs> <laughs> it's a fucking great show. It's such a good show. It is good. Really funny. And we got to work with David Hasselhoff. And we got to work with David Hasselhoff. Which was a ride. A wild ride. A roller coaster. Um, Ups and downs to that, isn't there? He sent me a text at one in the morning the other day with a Hoff pun. <laughs> <laughs> was it like, oh, Brett will like this? Or was it directly related to you? Uh, I think he just watched a film I had done and so he texted the film and then he said, now get half to sleep. Right, very good. <laughs> I've had, on a number of occasions, we're in a WhatsApp group with yeah. half, aren't we? Yeah. I've had on a number of occasions got woken up by a text <laughs> from David Hasselhoff and, <laughs> and then, without really thinking about it, put my phone onto airplane mode just so I could go back to sleep. <laughs> I need to turn my phone off so... David Hasselhoff doesn't keep me awake. It's so mad to think when we were children and I loved Night Riders so much that one day you'd be getting woken up at one in the morning by David Hasselhoff, by Michael Knight. Yeah, it's mental. What a life we've lived. What a life we've lived. What a life. So lucky. Oh, speaking of life. Oh, God. What? Oh, I forgot to tell you, and I should have told you when you got here. Oh, I'm, a, I'm an animal not to tell you this. Fuck, I'm so sorry. I don't even know how to tell you. you Spit it out. You died. You died. I'm sorry. Okay. How did you die? Probably bowel cancer, probably. <laughs> really? Like, realistically. No, okay. It's your choice. Well, probably mid-70s, okay. 80. Maybe I'll make it. Maybe I'll make 80. Okay. Yeah. Statistically, I say bowel cancer is a pretty good shot. <laughs> okay. So you've a slow death or a quite quick diagnosis? Probably, no, probably. I mean, I'm I'm middle class enough that I will probably regularly see the doctor okay. at that age. Right. So I'll probably get a quick enough diagnosis. Yeah. But you've got to go at some point, haven't you? Okay, so? So it will be a... It'll, it'll be quite a slow death, I imagine, and quite painful. Right. Um, I'm just talking about realistically, yeah. it's probably how both 
It's probably how you'll die, Brett. Jesus Christ, mate. That's not what I'd planned. <laughs> I'd planned to get shot in the shower in Vegas. Well, you're a lot fitter than me. Thank you. I think you'll last longer. I don't know. Fit people often die jogging, don't they? Just sort of suddenly drop You can't move for them. You cannot move for them. <laughs> so no, you're always do- dropping dead from a heart attack. Your problem's going to be frailty. Oh, really? Because you'll uh, probably end up living out. quite... Well, no, you'll end up living quite long because yeah. you eat quite well and you're quite fit, but bones will only Can take I, so much. Right. God. Do you fear death? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Do you? Yeah. A lot? Didn't used to. What changed? Um, no, I fear the lead up to death. Right. I, the long, slow death of bowel cancer, which is the most likely. So from the diagnosis from the doctor, you've got bowel cancer and you're 80. Or what, well, you might Something not like that, yeah. <sighs> slow, gradual death from bowel cancer. And you're scared of death more now than you used to be? For why? Because of just thinking about the actual nuts and bolts of it, which I have just as described in much, right, too so much of, detail. It's the build-up towards it. Do you think... But the actual afterlife or anything like that, I'm not bothered about because I don't believe in it. So, you, so, yeah, what do you think? Nothing? Yeah, nothing, don't you? It's no, nothing, isn't it? I, I don't think I do think that anymore. Okay. I think I used to. I think I've changed my ways. Why? Because, well... Because I think there's sort of some magic, if that's the... I don't know what the word is, but there's some more... You're saying this sat underneath a poster of Pan's Labyrinth. <laughs> exactly. I obviously... Uh, listen, I don't know. No, we none of us knows, and that's the... That's the beauty of it, isn't that's it? That's the beauty of it. On the balance of probabilities, I'm going, yeah, and probably just that's it, isn't it? Dead. <laughs> but you're like, that bit doesn't scare you, it's the sort of slow pain bit. Slow pain, yeah. <laughs> Getting your affairs in order. Thinking about what you didn't achieve. Yeah. Okay. Um, Unable to articulate. Your final pr- wishes. Your final wishes. Fuck it now, mate. I mean, this is my own fault doing a podcast about death. I guess some people take it very seriously. <laughs> no, you're right, too. It's just, you know, that's what I want to be... Basically, you should know at this stage, mm. it's possibly becoming clear, throughout this podcast, I'm going to be a cunt. <laughs> because I've thought so much about how I want to give the right answers to these questions. Okay, okay, yeah, no, that is it. I suppose you've given her what you believe to be a correct answer. Yeah. Do you want me to shut that blind? No, I'm good. I Do can you like it? it. Okay, yeah, that's good. Um, well, guess what, Fergus? Mm-hmm. You thought you were right. You were wrong. There is an afterlife. Surprise. Good. I'm pleased. Oh, you're pleased? Yes, I'm pleased. Oh, okay. That. And yeah. you don't have bowel cancer in it. Don't hurt no more. So I've been in a good place. You're in a good place. Great. Yeah. People, uh, they love films, though, in this heaven. Do you like films? I do like films. Oh, okay. We haven't even... I don't even like people who like films, though. Ooh, okay. No, I do like films, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Big part of your life? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. A huge part of my childhood and teens okay and sort of most of my 20s and then now i just watch a lot of reality tv and sport your wife works in film right can we talk about that or not would you rather not we can yeah yeah. your wife works in my long-term partner not marriage Ah. yeah uh okay (laughs) i told you i'm going to be a cunt you're not committing to her uh no 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 uh 
Yeah, she works in visual effects. Yeah, she's a rigger, which means that she does the... uh, Someone builds a character on a computer and someone else animates it. And she sort of does the bit in in between where they do like the muscles and the joints and make the expressions. wow. In the face and the body and all that. She did Dobby and Harry Potter. No shit. She did Paddington Bear. What? She did Gravity. She made people cry. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Um, And is that, uh, has having your long-term partner working on that sort of thing, has that made you appreciate film more or has it sort of put you off it? uh, It's made me appreciate the work that goes into it. So say for example... I've realised now mm-hmm. that so many people, and I think Andy Circus has sort of like spread this rumour, mm. like made people believe it, because he's like the king of motion capture yeah. as an actor, where people think Andy Circus just went into a room <laughs> and they put some ping pong balls in him and he did all this incredible acting and yeah. they pressed a, pressed a button and out popped Gollum. Yeah. And I think there's not really an appreciation that there's like, most of these actors, they'll work on something for a few days. Mm. And then there's like a whole hundreds of people who work on it for years and don't. And they're like right at the very bottom of the credits, like way past like the drivers and the like catering. That is interesting. I didn't know that. Yeah. In this heaven. Oh, yeah. Where yeah, you yeah. don't have bad cancer anymore and it's good news. They love film and they only really want to talk about your life through film. So the first thing they ask you is what is the first film? that you remember seeing? Um, I always thought it was called The Muppets Hit Manhattan, but I looked it up today and it's called The Muppets Take Manhattan. They take it. They take it. They took it. Yeah, took it good. Yeah. That's an amazing first film to see. Do you remember the circumstances? It was at the Tyneside Cinema or Tynemouth Cinema in Newcastle. Wow. Because despite my accent, I lived in Newcastle until I was 13. I love Newcastle. Mm, it's a good city, isn't it? Really love it. Why did you leave? Because I was 13 and I didn't, my parents moved and I thought I should probably go as well. You should probably follow them. Yeah, they well, moved down to Essex for work, mm. which was fun when you're 13, moving. Mm. Um, <laughs> good time to, good time to move, yeah, isn't it, when yeah. you're 13? Perfect time. And odd. Yeah. yeah. Did well, it take my name? Yeah, it was really good. Who took you? My dad. Ah, yeah. just you and him? Just me and him, I think. Well, I say it was really good. I don't really remember it. The only thing I remember is a motorbike going through a wall and yes. being and jumping behind my dad. Oh, really? See, this is what I find amazing about this podcast, because yeah. I've listened to it a couple of times. You seem to remember, you know every movie and seem to remember yeah. every part of every movie. Like yeah, you- I've, I've, I've built up the wrong side of my brain. Like, I don't remember going on holiday with people I love, but I remember the bike going through the wall in Muppets Take Manhattan. That's why you're the perfect man to host this podcast. Mm. And not have a long-term loving relationship. Well, Although we all, t- quite we all good. take different things from life. Yeah, quite good, because it's always new to me right, in a yeah. long-term relationship, because I remember... Right, yeah. They'll say to me, what? remember when we did this? And I think, no. I remember when we saw that film. Like Memento. Yeah. Awful. Uh, Muppet Take Manhattan. Yeah, so, so I how did rem- you jump behind him? I don't was he know. Well, I guess I was four. But yeah, I don't know. Perhaps he was on the edge of his seat. <laughs> okay. Really engrossed. That's such a lovely first film. Yeah. So I remember going to that there. 
Do you remember like the feelings? Do you remember being like, fucking hell, this is something else? I remember it being a, I was having a special treat. Mm. Yeah. It being a special thing to go to the cinema. And you have a brother, one brother? I have two younger brothers. And they weren't born then? They were, were too young for this? Well, one of them might have been born. We're all four years apart. We were oh, okay. born in the opening ceremony of the um, Olympics. <laughs> Is that true? Yeah. No. Yeah. no. I love that. But we are, yeah, all born four years apart. So he was at home, probably. Yeah. The second film I ever saw yeah. was at the same cinema, and it was Stop Making Sense. <laughs> the Talking Heads movie. The, the Talking Heads movie. Uh Directed by... Jonathan Demme. Jonathan Who directed Sons of the, the Lambs and... Rachel Getting Married. Because my parents were really arty. Really? Yeah. So I watched a lot of... For a child, I watched a lot of arty films. Did they do creative stuff? Well, my mum was a photographer for a while, ended oh, yeah. up being a teacher. And my dad, while I was a kid, mm. my dad was studying uh, film and television at university. Wow. So Where? In Newcastle? In Newcastle, yeah. So we watched a lot of old films. So all our VHS tapes mm. that I watched frequently were things like Night of the Hunter. Oh, wow. Mm. Did you love uh, Stop Making Sense or was it... Meaningless? I remember loving that, yeah. Because I loved Talking Heads. Really? Yeah, they were my favourite band, mate. Incredible. All kids are into talking heads, <laughs> yeah, aren't they? Yeah, no, it's renowned. Mm. Very much a children's-based band. Apparently, in uh, I read a, a biography of talking heads, mm-hmm. and you know the big suit, famous, the famous thing about that film? Yes. He's wearing is, a very big suit. It's the huge suit that he wears. Yeah. And, there's a, and the reason he wears that big suit, apparently, is he wanted to engineer a costume change into the live show so he could snort cocaine. Uh. Apparently. Yeah. Which I remember my mum telling me as we watched that film when I was six. No, that's not true. But <laughs> I wish that was true. Yeah. And again, that was with your dad. So your dad was doing all this stuff for uni and just taking you with? I guess so. I think I went with my mum to stop making sense. I mean, it wasn't all art films then. I love that. That's yeah. a good two opening films. It's not bad, is it? It's not bad. No one said either of those films. Good. Uh, so far, you're doing very well. Good. What is the film that made you cry the most? Now, come on. I know you're an emotional man. Not. <laughs> <laughs> like, this is, this is where I'm really going to start being a cunt, because I don't cry. Ever? In any circumstances or just in films? I've cried a lot in the last year since becoming a father. But I do well up a lot of films, so I do have an answer for you. Okay. I was ill recently, mm-hmm. lying on the couch watching School of Rock, which I've seen a few times. Perfect film, perfect film. But one of the things that always makes me really emotional mm. is when people are... Perf- the talented people mm. are doing something are displaying their talents mm. and being appreciated by a crowd. Yeah. Always, but I always thought I was the only person who got really emotional about by that. School of Rock makes me cry a lot. Uh, the bit that makes me cry and laugh in a really like joyful way 
is the moment where they go, kick some ass! And the parents in the crowd go, no! <laughs> right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, God, I love it. Because you think, they're getting exactly what they need. the love that they deserve at this moment. This is, so it's a joyful... They're I, getting their needs met. Yeah. Joan Cusack is so good in that film. So good. And I think she might... There might be a case that she's the world's most underused actress. Perhaps the case is, I think that she is actually appreciated, but she's one of them people that I think people sort of forget about, but whenever they remind, they are reminded of her, everyone goes, oh, she's fucking brilliant in everything she ever does. But she doesn't get to do enough stuff. Mm. Could always have more Joan Cusack. Write something for her, Brett. For God's sakes. You know, she's versatile. She's funny. Yeah. Very authentic. She's she's fantastic. Love that film. I'm glad that you chose that one. Good. Have you ever seen the film uh, Hustle and Flow? No. Sounds like a tearjerker. You'd like it. Would I? Yeah, you would, because it's about hip-hop and being a pimp, but it's also about displaying your talent, and there's a scene in it where the pimp... It's one scene that makes me cry. I love it so much. The pimp, played by Terence Howard, yeah. has one of his girls from his stable and he's brought her in to help him with this track and she he's sort of been very abusive to her through most of the film and then he tells her to sing and he sort of slaps her stomach like speak from there do it from there and then she sings and it's beautiful and then they play it back to her and she hears it in her headphones and the camera sort of zooms to her face and she has like she can't believe it's so amazing this thing this gift she has and she gets to hear it and everyone appreciating her. Oh, it's lovely. Lovely film about a pimp. Okay, maybe I will like that. You'd like that. I'll look up for that one. Uh, now, what's the film that scared you the most? I don't get scared by films. Okay. Tough guy. Nothing. Like, I except obviously, like, obviously Muppets take my hat and I got scared. Yeah. I've been thinking about this a lot. Mm-hmm. Why do, I can't? I have no memory of ever being scared by a film. I have memories of jump films making me jump. Okay, but I think what happened is when I was a child, I was very easily scared by everything. Like I wasn't allowed to watch He Man because I was scared by it. Right. A famous sort of like family story is that when in Faulty Towers, when John Cleese hits the car. With the yeah, tree but... branch, that I was like terrified of it, and like we there's all these family stories about me being terrified, right, of really innocuous things. So I was never allowed to watch scary movies. Mm-hmm. And then I think when I finally d- did start to watch them, I just taught myself I I can't yield myself to a horror film. All I'm thinking in my brain is don't be scared, don't be scared. Right. It's not real. Don't let this film scare you. So therefore, I found like horror films really boring. Because if you're not for you, scared, it's just a war. You're you're fighting against like being taken over by it. But finding it easy, right? It's a it's a battle I can win easily, bro. <laughs> okay. Because I've trained myself to do it. So horror films, if you don't find them scary, are so boring because mm. they're slow. Why do you keep watching them? Because my girlfriend likes them, right. so she's allowed one. So she gets scared. Every now and again. Yeah, she gets scared. And you're just like, what are you worried about, love? Fighting. It's a fucking film. (laughs) 
It's a fucking film. The scary Many things films. out there. You want to see scary? I'll take you down Burgess Park now. <laughs> you want to be scared? I'll give you fucking something to be scared about. <laughs> but I don't... Um, Are you scared in life? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, okay. I'm frequently scared by, you know, my pulse races mm. at the sight of many a man on the street. Mm. But um, not scared by films, Brett. I do have a, one I can give you. Yes. Have you seen The Babadook? Yes, I have, yeah. It's excellent. I do remember being scared by that in that... So, obviously, if you haven't seen The Babadook, it focuses around a children's story, right, doesn't mm-hmm. it? Pop-up book. Uh, yeah. And The Babadook is like a, a boogeyman who comes and gets you and knocks at your door, right? Mm-hmm. Babadook, Babadook. And while we were watching that film on Halloween... Yeah. About an hour in, uh, there was a bang, 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 really loud, bang, 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 at our door. So to be fair, I did get a little scared in that moment. What, who was it doing? Some trick-or-treaters. Oof. And Not they didn't have any, and they were like, like 14. Imagine if they were dressed as Babadooks. Imagine. They were dressed as nothing. They were like six 14-year-olds. <laughs> That is terrifying. And I had nothing. Well, what did you I had do? one bag of crisps. <laughs> and they, they smashed the Perspex glass in between uh, me and my neighbour. <laughs> and then came back, still asking for stuff. I said, you should smash that fucking Perspex glass. And they said, oh, sorry. Oh, sorry, got excited. Have you got anything? Yeah. You said, I've already given you crisps. Yeah. Christ. So that's my scared one. That's a really good film there, isn't it? Did it put you off having kids? Uh, no, because it's a film, Brett. Oh, Jesus Christ. What is the film that you... <laughs> what is the film that you love, even though everyone hates? And critically, it's like, oh, it's a bad film. And you're like, I love it. And I stand by it no matter what. I'm going to go with yeah. Back to the Future 3. Yeah. I thought people liked that. I thought it was a critically acclaimed film. But you can have it if you know people that don't like it. I definitely don't think Back to the Future 3 is a critically acclaimed film. We can look it up on Rotten Tomatoes now if you want. It's. I remember it coming out and people going, oh, it's excellent. People, The critics liked yeah, it more than number like, two. Well, if the critics oh. like three more than they like two, then two's definitely my answer. Because two's amazing. Yeah, Back to the Future 3. Right, checking it out here. What about Ghostbusters 2? It's 74 on Rotten Tomatoes. Is it? Back to the Future 3? Yeah. And let's see what 2 is. I bet it's less. 2 is 57 on Rotten really? Tomatoes. Really? I'm People... telling you. Right, in that case, I'm completely changing my answer to Back to the Future 2. Okay. Because I think Back to the Future 2 is probably the best of the trilogy. Yeah, I like 2. I, I remember having Two's my mind... the most mind. fun. My mind absolutely blown by Back to the Future 2. The old, the old turn of 1985, mm. going back to that, it was that diagram that he does on the chalkboard and explains the time-space continuum. Yeah. I mean, for a nine-year-old, it was mind-expanding stuff. I mean, I love the whole trilogy, and I realise that's not controversial at all, to love the Back to the Future trilogy. But for two to be your favourite... Yeah, I think it's the best of the three. Yeah. 
fantastic actors. Thomas F. Wilson should be in like so much. Yeah. Other stuff. I've got a stand-up album. Is it good? It's good fun. Yeah, it's very clean. Very clean. I think he's quite a uh, Christian. Mm. It's a good clean, good clean fact. No one really went on to anything after that, did they? Except for Michael J. Fox. Isn't Caroline in the City in Who's the original? That? What is that? Leah Thompson? Leah Thompson. Yeah. Is she in the original or is she the one that they replace? Oh, Leia Thompson is his mum. Yeah. And then... She did all right. No, in Back to the Future 2 is, uh, I want to say Elizabeth Moss, but I don't mean that. Leaving Las Vegas. Elizabeth Shue. Shoe. Yeah. She's in Back to the Future 2. Yeah, they all did all right. Yeah. No, I love Back to the Future 2. I think it's a smart one. It's very exciting. What is the film... That you used to love, and then you've watched it recently and gone, oh dear, oh dear, this is uh, terrible. Have you seen Fight Club recently? No, not uh, recently. Did not you, since you, it came out. Did you love it when it came out? No. Right, okay. I was one of the few people that didn't love it. Well, maybe I? you were smarter than me and you were ahead of your time. <laughs> Go on. See, I loved it when it came out and yeah. then wondered, the other day I was wondering, why is Fight Club never on TV you never see it yeah. come up on Netflix or whatever. It's one of the movies you just never see come back, but it seemed like a big deal at the time. So I sought it out on Amazon. It's really bad. Is it? They're kind of like alt-right Yeah. See, characters. Ed Gamble brought this up in his episode, and he, but his, his sort of argument for why it's okay is it was a satire on those people. But... That's he said, but also I'm aware that might be me doing a lot of work to justify why I like this film. Right. What was it? What for? What answer was it for him? I think it was his favourite film or something. Really? Can't remember. Yeah. What he's a gonna be, knob! He's going to be furious because he listens to this. He's going to be furious. I don't remember the exact question it was to. I remember thinking it was very cool. There was a lot of films like that around that time. Mm. I think because like in the nineties. There wasn't a lot going on in the world. It felt like everything had been sort of sorted in the yeah. West. Yeah. Like the Soviet Union was over. There was relative economic prosperity. Mm. Everything was sort of sorted. So everyone started navel gazing and making films about, ooh, consumerism's bad or like your job is meaningless, which is all like legitimate things to say. There are bigger things to be complaining about and everyone ended up coming up with all these conspiracies mm. about what was behind it all and um i think fight club is like the epitome of that it's the pit it's the sort of film liked by the sort of people who saw the matrix and then went and bought a long leather jacket mm. did you do that no i didn't um i bought a short one I think that the problem with it may be something to do with like cool is that cool dates very quickly, I think. So something, it is a film that's kind of subconsciously cool as far as I remember, like, oh, it's cool and it's edgy and stuff. And quite quickly, that sort of thing you can look at and go, oh, it's embarrassing now, but partly because it's been so copied and used and cannibalized yeah. and. And it's very of its time. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. I think the other problem with a film like that is a similar problem that Wolf of Wall Street has, which is 
Leonardo DiCaprio had a really like good interview with him where he said about Wolf of Wall Street. He said, you know, we deliberately aren't. We are just presenting these people as they are, this world as it is. And it, this film has been misinterpreted by us saying we're glorifying it and we're, you know, but we haven't said that we're glorifying it at all. All we're saying is here's the stuff, here's the guy, here's the world. And, you know, it's sort of up to you as an audience to make your judgment on it, to go, these are bad people, this is a terrible thing. And I sort of go, yes, and uh, like I like the idea of that and it sounds good. But I think it's very hard not to see to see it like it looks like it looks like the film thinks it's fun. Like there is still a kind of point of view subconsciously or yeah. not. And I think Fight Club may be similar in that it might be a satire about these people and, and we're not supposed to like them all, but equally we're following them. They're the heroes of the story. We're, you know. I think the difference between Fight Club and Wolf of Wall Street is Wolf of Wall Street seems to just present that world. And if you see that and think this is all brilliant and the way life should be, mm. you're like clearly a dick. Yeah. Whereas Fight Club sort of like the narration rams it down your throat. It, pre- it presents it as a manifesto. It mm. sort of encourages that whole conspiracy bullshit thing. Mm. My problem with Wolf of Wall Street is that it's like almost all other films. It's an hour too long. Yeah, all films are too long. Like nearly all films. All films are 20 minutes too long. I think you should have to... Uh, if you want to make a film longer than two hours, 15 minutes... You should have to apply, and there should be a. They should grant however many licenses a year. There's a quota for the amount of films a year can be longer than two hours and fifteen minutes. So you can still have things like Schindler's List, yes, or something that deserves it. It seems like such a common opinion. Like everyone knows this, but they can't stop themselves doing it. Given we live in a capitalist world and that film is ultimately a business, what I don't understand is the thinking behind it because I go, you get more screenings in. If your film's shorter, you can make more money. Why are you making them... Why your budget will probably be smaller. Why is Transformers 3 two hours, 40 minutes? You could put more showings on if it's an hour and a half. Maybe it's the it's idea... It's, mm, maybe it's the idea that uh, they have to... Maybe they're competing with television. Again, so like, like, they did in, like they did in the 60s <sighs> yeah. when films started to be shit in the 60s because they were competing with television and they made all these big, long epics. Because mm. it like they think, oh, well, people will come to the cinema if they feel like they're getting their money's worth. Maybe it's like, I, I did hear one argument for like something like Transformers, which is it's sort of like a babysitter. You send your kids to it, the longer it is, you get to... right. You get to go around the mall and do what you want while your kids are in there for three hours. Right. Don't know if that's... Still doesn't make business sense, though. Do you go to watch the Transformers films? I've seen the first Transformers film, and I didn't understand it. And I don't think I'm a stupid man, but genuinely I was so confused by Transformers. And I like the idea of Transformers, and I like them as a toy. Mm. But all the way through it, I thought, I don't understand what's happening. (laughs) And at the end, unless I've completely misunderstood Transformers... At the end of it, he is on top of his yellow car, which is his friend, Bumblebee, and he starts to make out with Megan Fox on top of his mate. The car car is alive and a robot, 
and he just starts making out with her. And at no point does the does Bumblebee go, guys, I'm I'm right here. You're on top of me. You're on top of me making out. This is weird. That has just reminded me of something I really wanted to say. Out considering we were talking about Back to the Future. Go on. In Back to the Future 1, yeah. Biff yeah. essentially tries to, if not rape, sexually assault yeah. his mother. Mm-hmm. At the end of Back to the Future 1, Biff is like working for the family in their, ha- in their happy mm. re- res- resolution. Yeah. They're all like, oh, Biff. You should put another... You didn't put a second cut of wax on that car, did you, Biff? Oh. They've made him into a slave, though, haven't they, at the end? It's like, they keep him around as... Pun- I mean, it's it's cruel when you think about it. They go, you stay here, you fucking loser, and you clean up after us. Right? True. I think it's that. Whereas in the real world... Still, I would... I think there are more appropriate punishments. Like prison? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And actually, because in the original, yeah, he gets punched, right? And then, but then in the in the future, he becomes Trump. And we're basically living in the alternative. That's true. Yeah, yeah. We're in Back to the Future 2. It is the similarity. Where Biff became president. Yeah, we are. Except in Back to the Future 2, it's only a town it's happened to. Mm. It's far worse now. It's happened to the whole world. Hacks is back for season three, and so is the official Hacks podcast. In each episode, Hacks creators Lucia and Yellow, Paul W. Downs, and Jen Stadsky speak with cast and crew members to unpack the Emmy-winning comedy series. You'll hear Hannah Einbinder and Jean Smart speak to their on-screen dynamic, along with Hacks writer and actor Pat Regan, on how their improv experience helped them when shooting scenes and what it was like writing scripts for specific actors. You'll also hear from crew members like the costume designers on what it was like creating the world that Deborah and Ava inhabit. Hear stories from the show's writer's room, on-set antics, and more. Watch Hacks streaming exclusively on Max and listen to the official Hacks podcast on Max or wherever you get your podcasts. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. What is the film mm-hmm. that means the most to you? Not because necessarily the film is great, but because of what happened around seeing that film. Might have been a first date, might have been the day you got a job, might have been the day you lost a job, but you'll always remember that film because of the experience of it. I might change my answer because I was going to go with Back to the Future 2, but okay. I've already talked about that. But the, day, the first time I saw Back to the Future 2, my parents took us into town, me and my brother Mason... Lovely. And my little brother Alec, who was a baby, wow. we thought we were going to the shops for the <sighs> afternoon. And then my mum and dad had a look between them. And my dad left with me and my brother Mason. And we went to see Back to the Future 2. Oh, and it was wow. the best film I had ever seen up until that point. And at the end of Back to the Future 2, there's an advert for Back to the Future 3. Yeah. I turned to my dad and I said, can we go and see that? And he said, yes. <gasps> Oh, mate, that's lovely. And then me and my brother went home and played. we got to get to 88 miles per That was like, I look back on that day as possibly the best day of my life. So, yeah. How, so that's that, how old were you? I would have been about nine 
That was yeah. the last time you experienced joy. Possibly. Mm. Yeah. Except for when I saw you when I arrived here. Um, uh, lost in translation as well, maybe. Go on. Well, I remember seeing that and having recently had my heart broken. Mm. And, uh, you know, that's quite a bittersweet movie, isn't it? Love that film. Mm. And after it, I remember I was in a double act with Colin Holt. Mm -hmm. And after it, we were in a car going back to his. And I started saying, are you going to dump me, Colin? Will you ever dump me? Please don't dump me. Will you ever dump me? And that turned into one of our best sketches. (laughs) And that was influenced by Lost in Translation. And then when I did, only a month or so later... I fall in love with the woman who is now not my wife. Wow. Uh, the Lost in Tra- Translation soundtrack was a big part of those. So you're like Romeo, Romeo and Juliet. You got together with the woman very shortly after your first ha- big heartbreak. Well, it wasn't my first heartbreak, no. but yeah. Yeah, I did, yeah. She, she's a rebound, essentially. Yeah. Yeah. You stuck around for a while, haven't you? 15 years nearly, Brad. Fucking hell. Mm. Do you remember it all? All of those? Most of it. Yeah. If she said, do you remember when we went on holiday, you'd know the answer. Yeah, we've been on holiday once and I remember it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, what is the film that you relate to the most? Now, do you relate to films? Yeah. We, and it also is how you interpret this question. It might be you relate to a character the most you're like fucking hell that's me that is might be this sort of setting the story anything the vibe of it you go you know what I really felt like that was when I was 10 yeah my family went on holiday to Paris at Christmas and they left me behind it's home alone home alone Fergus no the answer I'm going to give is it's a wonderful life okay I used it's one of my favourite films I know it's a cliched answer to favourite films but it really is has that come up It's a Wonderful Life it comes up a lot but it's a wonderful film but not not in this not in the related to one I don't think I watched that film a lot when I was a kid Mm -hmm. it was one of the few videos that we had and I always thought that George Bailey was a bit like my dad just touched my heart mm. in that he had all these things that he wanted to achieve all these dreams mm. and my dad has always seemed like it gnaws away at him that he didn't do the things that he wanted to do what do you think he wanted to do uh he i think do he, what you do no he definitely wouldn't want to be an actor or a podcast guest um, he can come on the show if this is what this is about. I'll get get him on. Get him on. on. He finds it hard to focus these days. <laughs> if we can make that dream come true. Um, yeah, he was like, well, I think. Well, while I was a kid, like I say, he went to film school. Hmm. So I think he, I think he would have liked to have been a great artist or a great filmmaker. Or a, he never found his thing. And what does he do again? Did you tell me? Well, he ended up running a, a business that made electrical equipment right. or sold electrical equipment for boats. And that wasn't his dream. We're very lucky, you and I. 
We're very lucky very, to do very things lucky. that we like. And he's, you know how, I think most people get themselves to a point in their lives where their job isn't that exciting, but that's not what is important to mm. them. And they, they make peace with that. My dad never made peace with that. Right. And I was aware of that even as a child. But he was also, in a George Bailey way, a very, very good man. Mm. <laughs> like a very, like in no way malicious or anything like that, ever. So I found that quite tragic and relatable, I suppose. And now I feel not like a very, very good man. But like I haven't fulfilled all my ambitions, Brett, and bowel cancer is looming. What is left? So maybe I relate to it as well. I think you've done uh, very well, but I don't know what your ambitions are. Were I want to be a rally car driver? Okay, no, I don't. Never too late, is no. it? Don't know. Don't know how physically. It took me it so long to come up with an answer for this one, like something that I relate to in a film. I mean, that's a beautiful answer. If your dad was here, mm. it would be a great answer for him. I think I will have him on. Mm. What is the film that you think is the sexiest, Fergus? This is such a weird question, Brett. Is it? Is it it's, weird? It strikes me. Yeah. Do you still not watch porn? <laughs> no, I don't. It strikes me that you're getting people to tell you <laughs> what I can watch. Which legally. films are wankable? <laughs> In the eighties. I reckon 90% films had one of two things. Yeah. Sometimes both. And that was either the characters became rich at the end of the <laughs> film. Go back and look. Up. Interesting. That's how they become happy at the end of all 80s movies. Wow. They always become rich. Wow. What an observation. And if oh. that's not included, there are always boobs. Yeah. Yeah. There's always... Some gratuitous boobs in like family films, like not. Yeah, National Lampoon's Vacation. There's a shower scene with Beverly D'Angelo, not entirely necessary. So I remember the boobs in Airplane. Yeah. There's yep. a quick glimpse of boobs in Airplane. Next to the jelly. Yeah. Yeah. But the one that stands out to me that I remember is a Working Girl when she's hoovering. Hmm. Melanie Griffiths. Yeah. Hoovering topless. Is she hoovering topless? Yeah. That, I don't remember, and I studied that film. Did you study it? Mm. Did an essay on it. I don't remember her Did hoovering you? topless. And of course, you remember, she, they become rich at the end of Working Girl. Very much so. Very rich. Yeah. So, I, yeah, I remember I would have seen that when I was about 10 or something. And that, you know, got me interested. Are you? Do you have an answer for the subcategory of this question? Travelling boners, worrying wide ones. If I did have an answer, I don't know. I'd tell, if it was really true. I mean. <laughs> I mean, this isn't like a sting. I'm not brought you here to get to sort yeah. of get, convict you of a crime, uh, he said. Okay, come in, guys, come in. No, I don't think I've got any troubling boners. Okay. Oh, good clean on his boners. <laughs> what is the film you think is the greatest film of all time? Objectively, aliens come. They go. What cinema you go? This is, mate. What if there were aliens? Yeah, English-speaking aliens. Yeah, with a similar outlook. If there were aliens, I'd show them either The Incredibles, right, or 
Maybe Arrival, they could re- relate to that. <laughs> Lovely. Very good film. Very good. Such a good film. No tears from you, though. I did well up. <gasps> that was a well up. Okay. I forgot about that. That was definitely a well upper. Okay. But for me, I would say the best film of all time is Godfather 2. I'm big on sequels, aren't I? Love a sequel, do you? Mm. Godfather 2. Yep. A lot of people uh, rank that in the greats. It's not an original answer, is it? I don't know that anyone said, I've had Godfather, not Godfather 2. Nish said Godfather. It's so good, because you get Robert De Niro in that as well. But when I was a teenager, I was so obsessed with acting that I would watch a lot of Robert De Niro films, a lot of Daniel Day-Lewis films. Mm. Um, But Godfather 2 was the one that got watched the most, I think, because you got a bit of De Niro Sicilian. And you got Pacino before he went shit. I think... Like is Pacino, he, if you were to say, you know that question where you said, uh, what film do you look back on now? Yeah. And think is shit. Shit. Yeah. I sort of look back on Al Pacino and think <laughs> most of his performances are shit. Mm. But Godfather 2 is a brilliant performance. That's before he evolves through the f- first two Godfathers from a sort of, uh, innocent guy at the beginning of Godfather into Al Pacino in Scent of a Woman at the end of Godfather 2. That's funny. So he's never changed his performance. From end of... From the end of Godfather 2. He's, that's, he's like, shouting. oh, right, I've got it now. This is my character and I will do it in all movies. Sometimes with an accent. Yeah. But within the confines of Godfather 2, it is a brilliant performance. Interesting. I like the idea of you saying Aliens, The Incredibles, and them going, is this what people look like here? And you go, yeah. No, that's a good point, actually. Might really freak them out, might really confuse them, because they're looking at you, and then they're looking at The Incredibles and going, what is this planet? Yeah. I like it. Well, if I wanted to show Aliens what this planet is like, I'd just show them like a Ken Loach film or something. <laughs> They'd be like, we're leaving. Yeah. Uh, what is the film... That you could or have watched the most over and over again. There are so many films that I've watched a lot of times. I have Sky Movies, so I watch parts of a lot of films okay. again and again and again. I watch the end of few good, A Few Good Men all the time. Really? <laughs> I watch any Tarantino film. A lot. A lot. Yeah. I think he's underrated, Tarantino. Yeah. It's sort of like... People have gone off him, haven't they? The problem is, isn't it? Is the problem. The problem is, he's magnificent. I love nearly everything he's done. And there's always interesting stuff and brilliant filmmaking and exciting and original and blah, blah, blah. But there are things that are always troubling in most of his stuff. And when I went to see The Hateful Eight, so much of it I loved, but I didn't like constantly seeing this woman being punched in the face, seemingly for comic effect. It was very disturbing, and I thought, I don't know what you're doing, because it seems like you're enjoying this. That's what I found disturbing about it. I was like, I don't get... And the audience kept laughing, and I found it very upsetting, this woman being... Jennifer Jason Lee constantly being... And the end of it, it's all sort of Jennifer Jason Lee being kind of tortured and butchered, and the film seems to sort of, like like that and that's very distressing but uh, he's definitely a very troubling man yeah and there's a lot 
it's very hard to make a moral defense no, of no. any Tarantino. But it's like invariably, every time one of his films comes out, I always hear, oh, it's not really good. And then you see it and you're like, oh, no, this is the most entertaining film of the year. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But it's so I would, Inglorious Bastards, I will watch again. And I love that one. And again. I think I think that, that one's is, fucking great. To I think be it's fair. a really underrated film. Yeah, it might be my favourite film. I can't believe I'm saying that. Maybe not, but it's it's such an entertaining film. It does in every scene. You know, there's the thing that Hitchcock rule. Hitchcock said a thing about action is a bomb going off, suspense is a bomb is under the table, and we know it's there. And Inglourious Busters is basically a series of very long talky scenes where every scene has a bomb under the table. Very good. Very good, Brett. Yeah. And so every scene is tense as fuck, which is lots and lots and lots of just people chatting, but you're going, fuck, there's a bomb under the fucking table. The film I probably, possibly the film I've seen the most, and I always say, whenever I'm looking for a film to see, I always want to watch a film just like this I want to see this again for the first time and it's by no means my favourite film mm. Goodwill Hunting okay because yeah. it's just it's just the right level do you know what I mean you can watch it and not have to focus that much but you'll feel like you're getting some like nourishment it's quite a lot of films like Goodwill Hunting I could give you a list okay if that's what you're after have you ever seen Ordinary People no right okay well, there you that go then. That's Watch the, that then. That's it. That's the original Good Will Hunting. Have to, I can stop watching Good Will Hunting now. There you go. Yeah. Or if we're allowed documentaries, Senna. Oh, yeah. I can watch that three times a week. Wow. Okay. Yeah. What is the film that made you... Oh, yeah. Okay. We'll be quickly negative. What's the worst film you've ever seen? Have you seen Antichrist, the last one, Trier film? With a fox that says... Chaos Reigns. Yeah. No, because it has a scene of a woman self-genital mutilating or something. Uh, she cuts her clitoris off. Yes, yes. I thought, I don't think I want to see this one. That it was the Gave bit, it a miss. Yeah, that was the bit when we turned it off. Okay. So I haven't seen the whole thing. Right. But that was near the end. So I think that counts. Yeah, you, you, you did well. I'm not sure if I've watched a really arty film since then. Right. I was oh, like, no. fuck this shit. Put Kaboo Hunter in on again. <laughs> he ruined art for you. It's, um, so the story is, uh, the story, I think he was Lars von Trier at the time. I feel bad saying this because he made the film while he was going through a serious depressive incident. Mm-hmm. So you are watching someone's mental illness made. Right. You know, it's, uh, it's about, it starts with a couple having sex. It's, uh, what's his name? Who's the main guy in it? Uh, Willem Dafoe. Willem Dafoe and Charlotte Gainsbourg having sex. And while they're having sex, their child falls out a window. So she becomes, so I guess eventually that's why she cuts cuts her clitoris off. Oh, because she doesn't deserve sex. Well, it's like, you know, my, Mm. my sex drive has killed my child. But it's so grim. Mm. But they're just, I could not see why. It was, maybe I'm just a philistine, but it was just so unpleasant. 
It was the most unpleasant experience I've had watching a film, and therefore I said it's the worst. Sounds like that's a very fair answer. And if not, I mean, I usually, if a film is really shit, I'll just leave. Right. Or stop watching it. You walk out, have you walked out of films? Only a couple. I can't think of what I've walked out of. I think I've literally forgotten the names of the ones that I've walked out of. But the other day we watched The House with Will Ferrell and Amy Poehler. Yeah. We watched 20 minutes. It was, it was so bad. Why do you think that film doesn't work when there's so many funny people? And I think it's That's a funny why I idea. can't understand. It's like, how do these films get this far? Because they're such brilliant. But the premise is funny, I think. I think it's a good concept. Like, what, it like, could work. It, it could be wrong? fine. I think everyone's just phoning it in. Really? I think no one here could have been trying their best today. Do you really think that? Is that what you think? Because I, I think having made stuff, and you've been in stuff, rarely are people sort of trying to make shit, are they? You know, like Robert De Niro was in only good films mm. and did only good performances, and I completely respect him for doing this. I think he got to a point in his life where he's like, this is hard. Yeah. Do you know his method shit? Yeah. I can, earn, I can earn more money and not really try. Just turn up to set <laughs> and do it. You know something I read about Robert De Niro and Al Pacino maybe, and maybe it's to do with why their performances change, is that someone told me, I can't remember what someone had done like a scene with them or something, and basically people are so weird with them on set that they sort of have to keep themselves to themselves because most of like uh, background artists, anyone sort of wants to talk to them about taxi driver or whatever. Yeah. So they hate people because they're just constantly being kind of attacked. And 90% of directors who work with them are so intimidated and overawed by them that they don't give them any notes. So they'll do a take right. and everyone's scared to go, could you do it a bit soft, a bit thing? But they are still actors and want validation and want to be told, you know, they w- actually want notes but no one will give them notes. And that's why their performances may be, maybe they've, you know, had a lot of notes in the past. And now they're just going, is this it? And everyone's going, great, that was great. Because they're scared of them. It's good. Have you seen Righteous Kill with Robert De Niro and, and Al, Robert De Niro, Al Pacino and 50 Cent? <laughs> Have you seen it? No, no. It's very bad. Yeah. I think they, did they know it was bad when they made it? Maybe they didn't. Could you give Robert De Niro a note? If you're a young director, you've got him in a film and you think, God, he's being rubbish. What are you going to do? Now that we've had this conversation, I think I'd give him nothing but notes. <laughs> and I think he'd respect me for it. Robert, Robert, listen. It's not working. Look at this. Wind your neck in, Rob. <laughs> I don't know what you're doing, but it's, it looks stupid. Playback, get playback on. So that's, it's good advice to young directors, isn't it? Yeah. Find the biggest actor there and give them a note. <laughs> Uh, what now you're in comedy you're in comedy mm. what's the funniest film what's the film that made you laugh the most the film that made me laugh the most is probably like Team America good answer it's not like a cool answer but it's just got it's a cool, kind of slightly forgotten gem that one I think it doesn't come up enough but it's just so many laughs yeah I mean it's not necessarily my favourite comedy film but it's just I think they're so good, them too. Yeah, really I mean, are. they're a bit Tarantino. You know, a lot of the stuff is a bit troubling, but it's. But they seem to mature. They grow with their stuff. They, they, anytime they do troubling stuff, they then address it in a later episode yes. of South Park or something. Yeah, yeah. I think they're pretty good at. They're so clever. Keeping on top of. 
They're so many times, and and it's just laugh after laugh after after laugh, bro. Yeah, Three Amigos. Yeah, I mean that might be my favourite comedy film. Really, which I think is underrated. Three Amigos. It's so nice and warm, and they're such brilliant performers. Yeah, I met Chevy Chase. Go on. There's not much to the story. You know, everyone says he's a dickhead. Yeah. Yeah, a bit. No. <laughs> what happened? No, he was all right. He was nice. How he, he was doing. He was on the Kumars, and I was writing on it. All right. So I went to the recording because I wanted to meet Chevy Chase. Yeah. And in the after show party, he was there and said, uh, I was like, and I got introduced to him. I was like, oh, that was great. Did you enjoy it? He was like, yeah, for the first four hours. <laughs> I mean, I suppose nowadays that's what you want when you got meet Chevy Chase, isn't it? That was pretty you good. You haven't got a story unless he's an unless arsehole he's... to you. <laughs> unless he's vaguely rude. I saw Midnight Run for the first time last night. Great film, right? Really good. Yeah. And really funny. And holds up. And I don't think I'd seen any Charles Grodin films before. You've never seen Beethoven? No, we've seen that. Yeah, all the Beethoven's. Right. Brilliant. He's amazing. Yeah. Beethoven's another American, like Back to the Future, where they all have this problem of the, he's the dad in Beethoven, he's got a big dog, um, but he's sort of like not manly enough for the wife, and at the end he has to punch someone. He punches someone and then the wife, oh, I've never fancied you so much. There's always someone get, the, the dad always has to punch someone in an 80s film to get, to get, have sex with his wife. That's true. Mm. There are so many bad messages. So I, now I've got a child yeah, I'll have You're punching everyone. I'm punching everyone because apparently I've been taught this is what you need to do. No, I've been watching a lot of Sky Disney. Yeah, a lot of the old Sky, a lot of the old Sky Disney movies. Yeah, and uh, the first Beauty and the Beast. Mm-hmm. Well, I guess both of them, but it's essentially encouraging abusive relationships. Yeah, it's like don't worry, you can change him. Yeah, he kidnaps her and abuses her. And she gets Stockholm Syndrome and falls in love. It's such a bad message. Um, but the upside is it's sort of pro-book. It's definitely pro-book. Yeah, very it's pro good. Book it's pro-book. And she, he learns to respect her a bit and he lets her go. That's how. So when their final bit happens sort of freely, she comes back at choice. See, yeah. that's the problem, isn't it? Mm. He lets her go, so he's okay. Just stick around, wait, stay in this relationship. He'll become nice. Yeah. Are you telling me three, four years into their marriage, he's not going to turn again? Or she's not going to sort of... Well, at some point she's going to start therapy and it's going to come up, how did you meet? And then she'll start talking about it and the therapist will keep sort of saying, you know that this might have something to do with the relationship you had with your dad and your your absent mother and you were looking for something, but you let a man, a beast, uh, kidnap you. And then she's going to start resenting him. But they're married at this point. Yeah. And she's going to come home from therapy in a mood. And the beast's going to be like, what's up? And she's like, nothing. Just, oh, just thinking about when you kidnapped me and kept me captive. Ha, 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 ha. And then slowly she'll be very passive aggressive. And maybe by year six, he'll be going, what's going on? And then he'll have to go to a session with the therapy. They'll have like sort of couples counselling. And he'll be going, I'm different. Now. I read books now. <laughs> Can't people grow and change? Yeah, you read books. You read Jack Ryan novels. 
Maybe they'll be all right there. Maybe they'll work through it together. I mean, can people change? That seems also to be the message. People can change, literally, from like quite attractive beasts to ugly princes. I guess they can. I guess they can. But if you're in that kind of relationship, get out, girls. <laughs> <laughs> if anyone is currently being held captive in a castle by an animal beast, do try to escape and don't go back. Yeah. If you've been affected by this podcast. <laughs> um, what's your favourite film? I think I went Godfather 2, didn't I? Oh, well, you no, said I said greatest. Uh, I'm trying to think of something that doesn't make me feel like sound like a cunt. Like Doctor Strange, love. Okay. You think that makes me sound <laughs> no, like a cunt? It's a great film. It's a really genuinely funny film. It's one of them films that you think, Ugh, and then you watch it and go, oh, that was proper funny. Yeah. But also, Bridesmaids. Love Bridesmaids. Great film. So Bridesmaids is your favourite. Bridesmaids and Doctor Strange, love. Or Philadelphia Story. Lovely. You seen Philadelphia yeah, Story? Of course, I have, mate. Lovely film. That's rat a tat, isn't it? Rat a tat. They don't write dialogue they like don't. that anymore. I've been talking about this. Where did all the really fast? Always the women were like hardcore, strong, funny. Bang, 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 bang. bang. When we well, say did the women, change? Catherine Hepburn. It was always Catherine Hepburn. Yeah, it was always Catherine. Hepburn. But there was such good writing then. Mm. I think it was because it was people who wrote plays were writing films. Yeah, but I always think about that. And I think, imagine if we said today, oh, well, all people who write plays. I've been to the Royal Court. But people don't make plays like the way it's Ratatat. It was just people calling each other cunt and being depressed. It's not going to be Ratatat dialogue from the playwrights. I think there was like a sense of more of like a suspension of disbelief or something then where you allowed... What are you thinking about? What? I'm just laughing at this thought, but go on. Uh, the, there was like a people suspended their disbelief in the 40s because they were like oh these are movie people they talk like that yeah but did you ever see the film Brick yes which yeah. was a contemporary high school movie yeah where all the characters spoke with that sort of 1940s rat-a-tat-tat yeah dialogue and it just felt very Mm. It just seemed very incongruous. But nobody probably spoke like that in the 40s either. But you That's were... such a good point. People weren't walking around going, hey, what time is it in the 40s? Were they? I love the way you were reaching there for some really <laughs> witty repartee. <laughs> hey, what time is it? Time for breakfast. <laughs> yeah, no one was asking the time in the 40s. <laughs> they always People knew what the time was in the 40s. They weren't asking about it. Yeah, because... What time is it? Time you got to watch. <laughs> It's that sort of high-paced wit that they used to have. I suppose the only comparable one now who I usually enjoy his films, but sometimes don't, is Aaron Sorkin. Yes, very good point. Aaron Sorkin does it, yes. that People talking very quick, and if you understand it, it makes you feel smart. Yeah, It's funny. not actually that difficult to understand but smart people saying smart things quickly yeah makes right. you feel smart he's okay nice and yummy in your belly mm. but i'll give you philadelphia story okay no one said it you can have it it's a great answer um fergus craig you've been an excellent guest and i appreciate you coming over and for being so uh, insightful however when you died of bowel cancer <sighs> It was quite bad, I'm afraid. Like, it wasn't that it was bad. Like, you didn't feel that much pain, but what happened was you distended so much when you died. Mm. 
your not just your tummy but all of you really distended and so when you finally did die we had to stuff you in this coffin and we'd originally got the coffin the sort of size you are now but you were much bigger when you died from the bowel cancer so we stuffed you into this coffin mm. and there's basically no room left there's only room for one dvd to slip in the side with you and when you go to the other side there's movie night and one night is your movie night. What DVDs do you want to take? And it doesn't have to be any of the answers you've said. You're going, this is my one, my movie. It's Fergus's movie night. What are you showing us, Fergus? Can't put Senna on them, can you? <laughs> <laughs> you can do what you like. I guess I go, it's a wonderful life. It's a very unoriginal answer. But it is feel good. Mm-hmm. It's a terrific performance. You don't want to bring down the mood in heaven. I don't want to bring down the mood in heaven. I mean, they might be like, do you know what, mate? We could do with a bit of darkness. Yeah. Well, it's, a quite a, it's a very dark film, Winter Wonderful Life, for most of it. Everyone forgets it's about a man trying to kill himself. I know, but it's like features angels. Mm. They'd be like, we've got enough angels. Yeah. Up here. But you'd be Antichrist. like, I wanted something. Oh, Antichrist. <laughs> I thought you wanted something to relate to. I was trying to give you a film you'd relate to. Yeah, I'll go with, I'll go with It's a Wonderful Life. Okay. Uh, you're going to kick yourself when you get there because loads of people have taken it and it will be like, oh, well, this again, when it's your turn. But Okay, yeah. Well, no, I guess I won't change it, yeah. Um, Fergus, you've been wonderful. Off you go to heaven with It's a Wonderful Life. Thank you for being here. Is there anything you would like to say that people should be looking for? Like where you live or anything you're doing that you want them to see? Not really, mate. I mean, I wrote a book that can... I mean... Yeah, yeah, you wrote a very funny book. Yeah, I wrote a book called Tips for Actors. Yeah. It's available on Amazon. Get that It's book. a parody book. It's funny. It is funny. I've read it. It's very funny. It's a good book to have in your toilet. Proper good toilet book. It's bad advice for actors under the guise of good advice. Yeah, it's really good. Get that then. Get that. Get Otherwise... That. Go to the cinema and watch that advert and try mm. and work out. Watch it again from a fresh perspective going, oh, it's a dream, which I genuinely had not picked up. And now I think it might be high up. Bears repeated viewing. Yeah. I feel like they could have done something to sort of signal we're in a dream. Because there's nothing. You're in the mirror and then you go out. Why am I... I know. I remember thinking this when filming it. Mm. I honestly think that there's a lot of pressure on my acting there. And I haven't done the job. <laughs> well, I thought your acting was brilliant, but I didn't really... It wasn't... Well, it wasn't dream brilliant acting. enough. Well, it was possibly too realistic. Maybe if you'd like floated about more, I'd be like, oh, he's in a dream. Because you gave it such gravity, I was like, this is real life. Yeah, should have floated. <laughs> you should have done more floating. You should have done, played it like Mr. Soft from the Softie advert. Yeah. Like, I'm aware that's not real life. I auditioned for that. <laughs> Did you play it too real? Mm. <laughs> I didn't. It was about 25 years ago. <laughs> Thank you very much, Fergus Craig. Thank you. Good day to you. Goodbye. So that was episode 74. Head over to patreon.com forward slash Brett Goldstein for all the extra good stuff. Go to iTunes and give us a five-star rating and write about the film that means the most to you and why. If you have a look, people have been doing it and the stories they tell, I mean, some of them make you cry, some of them make you laugh. I mean, it's a proper night out. Have a look. Plus, if you do do that, it does help numbers. It means more people see it. I can keep making it more. and can keep drinking craft beer. We can all have a lovely life. Thank you so much to Fergus for doing the show. 
Thank you to Scroobius Pip and the Distraction Pieces Network. Thanks to Buddy Peace for producing it. Thanks to ACAST for hosting it. Thanks to Adam Richardson for the graphics. Lisa Lydon for the photography. Come join me next week where I will have another amazing guest. And that is it for now. In the meantime, have a lovely week. And please, be excellent to each other. Sometimes I dream of becoming an actor. Have you ever dreamt of becoming an actor? Maureen, what is it you think I'd do for a living? Never mind, sounds like you need the New York Film Academy. NIFA offers workshops, BFA and MFA degrees and summer camps in filmmaking, acting, journalism and more, online and on campuses across the globe. To make films alongside industry professionals, explore more at nyfa.edu. Thanks, Brett. Thank you, Maureen. The Therapy for Black Girls podcast is your space to explore mental health, personal development, and all the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden Bradford, a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia, and I can't wait for you to join the conversation every Wednesday. Listen to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take good care, and we'll see you there.